Hello, and welcome to the Box in One podcast, a podcast discussing sports and culture through the lens of the gospel. My name is John Richards, and I'm your co-host today, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Chris Lassiter and Jeremy Hartman. Welcome to episode 23 of the Box in One podcast, and apparently I'm obligated to say that this is the Michael Jordan episode, even though I despise him. Chris made me do this. So we're happening in episode 23, the legend, quote unquote, episode. As you may know, I despise Michael Jordan and all things Jordan, but we're not here to talk about Jordan. Our first topic is actually in the NBA since we're going to be starting up here in the next week or so. And we wanted to just talk about a couple of different teams that are in an interesting position this year because all three of these teams have lost a legend playing for their franchise. So the question is, which one of these teams has the brightest future after losing that legend? And we're going to talk about three teams, okay? You got to pick one. One out of these three, guys. Okay, the first team is the Lakers, who lost Kobe Bryant. Second team, the Spurs, who lost Tim, the legend Duncan. And the third team is the Minnesota Timberwolves, who lost Kevin Garnett, franchise player. So which one of these teams has the brightest future? C-Lass, we'll start with you. Give me uh, Minnesota, and I'll give you a couple of reasons why. Um, One, I just think they have the youngest nucleus, so they have the greatest upside for the longest um, period of time. And they got a new coach that I think really can help the young players grow, defend, take the next step. And also, I mean, the obvious thing is, whereas Kobe and Tim both wore their respective, he's not exactly jersey numbers in Kobe's case, but at least their team colors for their entire career. KG had been out of Minnesota for some time and then came back. So there was there was less financial incentive. They didn't have so much wrapped up into him when he came back. It was at a reasonable cost. And they weren't building the team around them at that point anyway. So I feel like the Spurs are in a great position, but I'd have to say Timberwolves if you maybe just pick one. See, Lass, I'm going to get on to you about that, but we'll go with Jay Hart. Jay Hart? Well, and as much credit as I would love to give my favorite franchise, I'm going to say this. I'm going to start by eliminating teams. One, I'm not sure about Minnesota because Tom Thibodeau is notoriously known for running people into the ground. Um, So while those young kids might take it early on, if he runs them into the ground, it'll be curious to see how they respond. Um, So I can't give them the nod. The Lakers, I'm not sure yet um, because there's still time to mess that up. The people that are don't do it, Jay. The people that are in charge um, are still in charge. And as long as Jim Buss is around, there's always time to mess that up. So I got to go with the Spurs for the simple fact. No. What? As what? long as Greg Popovich no. is there. I'm sorry. Like, as long as Greg Popovich is there and involved, they will always have the best future. You're talking about two teams that are so uncertain right now. You got Luke Walton leading the Lakers with the buses still in charge. Tom Thibodeau who's notoriously known for running people into the ground like he did in Chicago. They ran him out. Greg Popovich is the man. I'm sorry. I'm a Lakers fan through and through, but unless Pop decides, uh, you know what, I had enough of this, 
they're always going to be in a better position because they have the best front office and make the smartest moves. And I, it's a it's a blueprint that other franchises are copying throughout the league. Jay Hart. Yo. Jay Hart. Manu was on varsity when you and I was on JV. He's old. <laughs> then, then they got one center. They got one wing, one shooting guard, one point guard, and 14 power forwards on their roster. Chris, like, what are the Spurs doing? I'm telling you. They are going – something will come. There will be some European guy that they've stashed that will come over. Um, the Murray kid from Washington I think is going to be legit when Parker steps aside. Until something happens to Greg Popovich, I can't give the nod to anybody else because those other two franchises are notoriously known for running things into the ground. Hey, have y'all ever seen that movie Body Snatchers? <laughs> No, I, I literally just snatched Jay Hart's body and basically channeled myself through him for that entire <laughs> conversation right there. So do I really need to say anything? I mean, he pretty much made the case for me. Well, um, let me ask you this question. No, I'm going to say this first, Chris. OK, let me just say this because I think you're dead wrong on Minnesota because you got to remember Tim Duncan wasn't making franchise money when he left. So he didn't leave the franchise in the condition that a franchise player was leaving, like Kobe maybe leaving the franchise without having any other stars on the team or superstars on the team. So we can't really make that argument per se. And then again, it's Minnesota, man. Minnesota. They'll never be relevant. Sorry. They got a bright, they got some good young stars, but I'm sorry. Championship caliber. Spurs past several decades. I'm sorry, man. It's just not going to happen. Now you can ask your question because I basically just threw Minnesota under the bus, balled them up in my hand, and threw them right back at you. So even if you didn't think San Antonio was the answer, weren't you just going to say, like, what is you going to give us the Homer answer no matter what you really thought? I really wasn't. Like, I thought about this because I like Towns. I like Wiggins. I even like the kid they drafted this year. So I'm thinking like, wow, man, Minnesota is like my league pass team potentially this year. Like it's the team I would watch anytime. Milwaukee was that team last year. They're a little bit of a, you know, they got a better squad. They got Thon Maker, the 30-year-old Thon Maker. But I really did think about this. And after I thought about it, I landed by the Riverwalk, man, down in San Antonio once again. And Jay Hart, pretty much validated my point. So, Chris, well, listen, you're, you're on your own on this one, man. Five years. You think over the next five years, if I qualified the question and said, next five years, who's in the best position, you would still say San Antonio? So when you look at the Western Conference Finals in 2022, or Western Conference standings, you mean to tell me that the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to be over the San Antonio Spurs? Win loss record. You are on the record saying that. Mano will be 56 in 2022. And he will not be on the team. <laughs> he said 56. All right, man. I, I understand what you're saying, but I'm pretty sure that you're you're wrong here. And uh Jay Hart, man, it must be a full moon. I saw one last night. Uh, actually um, here in Stanton, I think it is, but yeah, it must have been a full moon because I've never seen you agree with me on on something like this. So 
I'm shocked. Look, I, like I will say this: as I need a doctor. As far as Minnesota, I think you're right. Like I think it's still Minnesota. Like, do you really think? I don't think Andrew Wiggins is going to stay in Minnesota. I think Thibodeau is going to run him out. I just think that's his personality. Do we really think KAT is going to stay there when his contract's up and people are throwing money at him? Like people leave Minnesota for a reason. LA, I think, you know, I'm curious to see what happens with Luke Walton, but like Ingram is struggling right now, preseason wise, just with strength. D'Angelo Russell's playing well, but nobody else is really doing anything. So that only leaves but one choice. That's all right, see you last. Sometimes admitting that you're wrong is therapeutic. All right. So last point for me. The Spurs have been great, and they've handled things with class. I'm not dissing the Spurs, but before they had Popovich and Tim Duncan, they had the coach who chewed the towels all the time. Who am I trying to say? Tarkanian and Lloyd Daniels at the shooting guard. So let's not, act like, let's not act like the Spurs have always been great, and they've never struggled to be relevant in the conversation. They did have Lloyd Daniels coached by Tark. At one point in but, my lifetime. But Chris, like that was the same year we was on JV and man who was on varsity. Like it was that long ago. That's what I'm saying. Like, how long can you sustain it? And it's obvious that like Minnesota has the hardest, like they're trending the highest. There are 24 year olds alive today who know nothing about the Spurs being a poor team. You can't say that about too many franchises. Sorry. It just doesn't happen. And they've built that franchise like that. The Bufords are going to continue that legacy. But I we'll see, man. I think podcast episode in 2022 it. is going to be looking at the standings. And Chris is going to eat a lot of pie. Humble pie. What, what were you saying, Jay? Oh, I was just going to say, as long as Greg Popovich is there and in charge, it's a wrap, man. It's it a is rap. a wrap. A wrap. Okay, speaking of rap, we're on our second topic now. We're talking about, oh my goodness, man. Do we really need to talk about this one? I guess we do because it's been on the internet and social media all week long. And I think it's a really intriguing story, especially given the times that we're in. There was a young lady on a flight from a Delta flight from Detroit to Minneapolis on last Sunday. And there was a gentleman on the flight who was having some problems, some some health problems. So this young lady, who is a Meharry grad, Meharry in Tennessee, uh, decided that she was going to try to help the guy. She's a physician. She's an OB. Uh, she happens to be African-American. Her name is Dr. Tamika Cross. And she's a physician at the Lyndon B. Johnson Hospital in Houston, Texas. And she was in town in Detroit um, attending a wedding. So when she was getting ready to jump into action, the flight attendant asked her some very interesting questions about her being a quote unquote actual physician. In fact, um, Ms. Cross, Dr. Cross wrote on her Facebook page that the woman said to her, oh, no, sweetie, put your hand down. We're looking for actual physicians or nurses or some type of medical personnel. We don't have time to talk to you. Now, this is, you know, Dr. Cross's account of what happened. Um, but ultimately, uh, she eventually was 
was asked to help, but there was another white doctor on board who actually had his credentials and other items, and she allowed that man to help the gentleman. So, obviously, the internet went crazy, as it always does, and the hashtag, what doctors look like, was trending on Twitter because apparently she didn't look like a doctor. She didn't even look like a nurse or a medical person, personnel, uh, a member of medical personnel staff. So question is, man, and I need you guys to chime in on this. Who was right in this situation? Now, from Delta's perspective, we always ask these questions. We want to make sure that if something happens on board and a medical incident happens, we want to make sure that medical personnel attend to the person or we could be liable for that. So what? who was right in this situation, given the facts as you see them or have heard them? Was it the Delta folks or Tamika Cross or any of the comments that you may have on this situation, man? I do have some some thoughts on who was right on this, but I wanted to get your, you guys' thought first. Uh, to me, it's just heartbreaking um, because I think it pigeonholed into certain things. Um, and it's not often on this podcast that you'll hear us quote Jay-Z, but I just remember on his first album, he said, at my arraignment, you're screaming, all Blacks got is sports and entertainment. And I do think like so many times the stereotype is when you think of minorities, you don't think of them as like academically achieving or successful in that way. The Heathcliff Huxtable is an anomaly, you know, um, not something that's real. So um, that's that that was unfortunate. So, I mean, I'm, I feel heartbroken for that doctor to I mean. It just sounds so condescending and paternalizing to say, oh, no, sweetie, you sit down, you know, so. I think when I when I first started thinking about this, um, my first thought was, what about old boy that was like 19 years old and would lie to all those people saying he was a doctor and had his own practice? And then they caught him and they got out again and did the same thing again. Um, so my first thought was like, wow, were, were people actually like, hold on, like stop faking, but also see it from the standpoint of, you know, what do doctors look like? Because my sister-in-law is a physician now, and I'm thinking if she were on that plane and, and volunteered her services, would they look at her and be like, oh no, sweetie, we're looking for actual medical personnel because I know my sister-in-law and if she was traveling on a flight anywhere. She would not be dressed anything like a doctor. She'd probably have on sweats and a sweatshirt and, you know, just be kind of kicking it. Um, so, you know, that that was that came to mind, too. Like, would my sister-in-law be treated to such, I guess, irrelevancy? I'm like, no, sweetie, you sit down. We're, we're looking for actual medical personnel. But on the flip side of that, <clears throat> if there were no credentials, too, I could also see the legality aspect like. What if we let somebody help who's not actual medical personnel, you know, a medical person, and now we're liable? So I see it from both sides, but I'm kind of also like, if that's actually what the flight attendant said, and it was almost in a condescending way, then yeah, there's probably some some right to be upset. But as far as I know, I've only read one side of the story, so I don't know exactly, you know what all happened what's the account from the stewardess 
none of that. I just know on the surface it looks kind of like, oh man, not again. Like you, you telling us like minorities cannot be doctors. Um, and then I question like, okay, what if it was an Asian person or what if it was a Indian person? Would you think those people are more likely to be doctors because you know there's such a stereotype about those people are smarter than African Americans? Um, so those are some of the kind of thoughts that I had uh, about it initially. Well, let me just ask this, and then Jay Rich will definitely get your thoughts in there. But if you had 20 kids in a room and you had five black kids, five white kids, five Hispanic or Latino kids, and five Asian kids, and you asked them to draw a picture of a doctor, say it's a fourth grade class, how many of those kids do you think are going to draw a black person? Um, if they've never seen a black doctor, probably none. Zero is probably the proper assessment there. Now, if you said basketball player, 20. So here's here are my thoughts on this particular topic. I have no doubt that Delta has a policy in place where they try to get credentials for doctors and at least a business card. Um, I have no doubt that flight attendants have been trained in such a way. Now, when I read those words, and if those were the actual words that the flight attendant said, there seems like there's something deeper underneath that, some type of overtones, albeit racial overtones, in her response to Dr. Cross. And I'm a professional, so, so I've, I've been on flights wearing my proper flip-flops and socks, okay, and the sweatpants and the hoodie. And I've been asked the question, who do you play for? And I, I have to respond. I, I, I don't play basketball. I'm actually an attorney. And then the conversation kind of shifts gears. But the initial assessment based off what I'm wearing, which is probably why Dr. Cross was the, the flight attendant didn't think she was anywhere near being a medical personnel. Because I was wearing that, then they assumed that I was doing something that we usually do, which is going to play basketball somewhere. So uh, there, there are those assumptions. That, <laughs> so so my, my issue is this man could have literally died. Imagine if she was the only person on the flight. What happens when our assumptions cause something catastrophic like that, um, where you don't even give someone the benefit of the doubt. Why would I, why would I get up and say I'm a doctor as a black woman to, to help a white man? It just makes no logical sense. So just for me, I, I mean, I just, I just kind of think that the whole situation, obviously it's on Facebook now and she's been, the New York times has covered it now. So it's blown up substantially. And even Delta they replied and they said, we understand what the allegations of this, of this incident is. It's under investigation. So they haven't really given a statement yet. But I'm just it's just disheartening, man, to be able to have to prove yourself. I do it all the time. Like people don't really know I'm an attorney until I say it. But it's just tough being a professional in this world, being a minority professional and having to be professional all the time or professional looking all the time for people to think that you are so it's tough man and i'm glad that she was able to help him eventually but imagine if she was the only person on board and they really didn't let her do it we would have been having a different conversation here 
Yeah, I don't know if you guys remember. This is old, but there was an episode of Sanford and Son where Fred had to have surgery. And when his surgeon came in, his surgeon was black. And Fred was scared to let the black man operate on him, but he was going through this wrestling and saying, like, like it was, I mean, it was beautifully done just to kind of make, even though it was comedy, like it forced you to wrestle with identity. And it was great. Like Fred kept on asking in not so many words to see another doctor. Was there any other doctor who could do the surgery? What he was asking for was a white doctor and saying, like, even we as black people struggle to see each other in professional roles. And I'll never forget the imprint that that episode made on me. Yeah, our first OB was African-American woman, and my, my wife was probably most comfortable with her. And uh, she had a great experience with her. So shout out to all the black doctors out there doing your thing. We appreciate you for everything that you do. And not the people who just named themselves doctor, like Dr. J or Dr. Dre, but the real doctors. Or the people who get those online degrees and stand in pulpits and think that they're doctors. Oh, shoot. Did I say that? All right. Um, let's move on to our next topic. Um, so D minor, hold on. First of all, when I say online degrees, I mean the fake ones, not the real accredited online programs. Let me just make sure I Way clear to clean that, that up. Jay Rich. Make sure I clear that up. Okay. <laughs> um, so D minor, your boy, Derek minor, new album reflection. We've been waiting on this, right? Absolutely, yes. <clears throat> oh, sorry. I was uh, checking my online class schedule. My bad. Oh. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Dr. But, J. But did, wait, did you see Did you see the clean up, clean up on aisle three, though? That's how I roll, man. You, know, you got to make sure you clean everything up. So um, – D minor album out. I'm pretty sure it's going to be in heavy rotation for all of us over the next several weeks or so. Um, dude is mad talented, mad talented. But one of the things that we want to kind of touch on here in terms of even Christian hip hop and the wokeness of Christian hip hop artists is the fact that these guys are really on the front lines when it comes to speaking truth to our culture um, and, and getting on board with the social justice movement. Uh, D minor has some very um, interesting uh, videos in which some of his songs um, demonstrate some of that, that speaking up for social justice. I think of one in, in being free, which is um, a really good, good portrayal of what it looks like to speak the truth to our culture. Um, so, so what are you guys' take on these folks being on the front lines? It's always kind of been okay. In the past, has been the pastors and leaders in the in the in that space, but now we're seeing not just D minor and others, but you know, you have other guys like Chance the Rapper, um, who who's doing some stuff too that are in the hip hop community. But specifically in the Christian hip hop community, when you see guys like Lecrae and Derek Minor do things like this, what are you guys' thought process, man? What are you thinking about in terms of them taking that leadership? Yeah, I always think of uh, two things, man. Like, um, one, like in a very real sense, a lot of their fan base and a lot of their record sales does come from a suburban market. So they're really at some level 
putting their careers or their security and even I think um, their financial security. I think in the song Free, Derek Minor actually addresses that. He's like, ah, I don't want to speak too loud because I don't want to mess the paper up. But I just think that video is a beautiful portrayal because what it has is like a black man chained to a tree and people who are in the church of all different colors kind of surrounding him and just going about their life. Everybody just wakes up and kind of realizes like, hey, if I'm living out the scriptures, like I'm supposed to make sure this guy's not chained up. And then everybody across the board starts helping the worker and get the chains off. It's a beautiful picture of what the church should be. <clears throat> then the other thing, um, at Legacy, Art Azurdia gave a speech and it was just talking about the difference between the root of the gospel and the fruit of the gospel. And one of the fruits of the gospel is just like um, in Micah in the Old Testament, we work towards being that missional community that stands for seeing God's kingdom reign. And so that means standing for justice when we see injustice in the world. But like gospel, like that's not all we proclaim. That's never all we proclaim. And so one of the one of the observations Art Azurdia had was um, he talked to a particular denomination and he said, at some point there was a subtle shift from like that being a fruit of the gospel to that being the root of their gospel to where all the church did was tackle social issues and lost the proclamation of a gospel that saves men for eternity. So I applaud rappers for risk their financial security to speak the causes that are important to them. And I hope as they do it and as a movement, as it does it, that we never lose the root of the gospel while still bearing that fruit of the gospel. One of the things that I thought about initially was, do we have Colin Kaepernick to thank for a lot of this? Like just him taking that stand, it seems like ever since he's done that and he's spoken um, so well when given, you know, any kind of uh, press conferences when they question him upon um, the Supreme Court justice calling, you know, stuff stupid and arrogant. Like his response to that was was very articulate. He didn't like, you know, cast stones at anybody like he didn't try to snap back at her like he just he. He expressed himself so well, and it seems like that has given people a lot of boldness. And I think anytime you have entertainers, um, athletes that are willing to stand out on the front lines and say, hey, I'm willing to lose endorsements. I'm willing to lose money to speak out against these things because wrong is wrong. I think it's great. Um, you know, I, I appreciate you know, Chris and I went to college at a conservatory. So we we're around a lot of artsy fartsy folks, um, people in music, art, theater, just, and it gave me a real appreciation. He did just call y'all artsy fartsy too. I did. I did. Okay. I love y'all. No doubt. Mickey, Nick, love y'all. Um, you know, I just think it's such a beautiful thing and it's a way of telling a story um, that people can relate to. And, you know, a lot of people are visual. A lot of people are, um, are auditory learners and for musicians to come out and make songs and take stands. I think it really speaks to people. Um, I applaud the way they've done it. I hope more people continue to do it, but also look at 
especially in light of the election, I always try to look at it too um, and examine motives for why they're doing it. If there's a particular stance that they're trying to do or for, if it's for the right reasons. Um, but I also, I just think that people in those positions have a opportunity to use their platform to do something positive and to bring um, an awareness to a particular subject that uh, I'm glad they do it. Uh, it. It's made for great music, great discussion. Um, I love the visuals that have gone with some of these videos. It's been awesome for me to see. Um, and I just hope it continues. Yeah, I, I really appreciate what they're doing. Um, I, I I don't think I would necessarily attribute it to Colin Kaepernick. Um, I, I, I read the other day that David West has been doing this since 2012-ish where in the NBA, he stands behind his teammates during the national anthem. Um, and that was kind of his sign of protest. It just have so happened that Kaepernick was doing something a little bit more on public display. So uh, wokeness has been um, something that's been occurring since one of these first incidents occurred. It just so happens that some of the people in that Christian hip hop community are now um, doing stuff on wax to to reflect that so shout out to d minor and lecrae and others who who have made that platform an opportunity for them to to speak that truth yeah i kind of grew up in the edutainment era of rap with krs1 and public enemy so this kind of feels like natural to me like this is what hip-hop was for it's always been a voice that had a greater it always had a greater like chance to use it outside of making money or people dance. Like I never was the dancing type guy. I was always the thought provoking type guy for people who used it to oh, force we social know. issues. That's kind of the, Oh, we know. <laughs> <laughs> Chris don't dance. <laughs> See last do not dance. See last dad. Do not dance. See last mom can dance, but that's the only one in the fam. So it's genetic. Huh? It's it's super genetic, yeah. My dad might be worse than me. Well, shout out to the the crew who are doing stuff to keep us woke, man. Appreciate y'all guys. Speaking of being woke, I'm not sure if this this topic in Sorry Missed That is gonna be something about that, but I felt like that would be a good segue. So every week we we handle a topic or something that occurred in past history that was pre-podcast. And we want to make sure we um, capture it on the podcast so we can talk about it. And this particular one is one of uh, Carmelo Anthony's screen appearances that we thought was pretty, um, pretty funny. And at the same time, it was very interesting to see that he would get on a video like this. So Carmelo Anthony decided that he was going to join some of his Be More homies and um, take part in a stop snitching video, which essentially um, for the people who are unwoke listening uh, was the concept that you don't snitch on anyone else to the government or to police officers. So Carmelo Anthony lended his voice to that video just to make sure that people knew that he was not down with snitching. Obviously, he's from Be More. He's from Baltimore, represents it. He has WB on his arm, which 
some people may think is Warner Brothers, but it's actually West, West Baltimore. Baltimore. <laughs> so um, I think he did a, a pretty good job of making sure that cross-platform marketing happened there. Um, but what are you guys? What were you guys' reaction to that video? And then even today, knowing that he's a dad, and you know, um, he's kind of changed his image a little bit. And he's the elder statesman. Uh, would you think that he would do it again today if he if he really thought about you know that being on YouTube forever or you know on video forever? So yeah, first of all, the hood has some rules, and one of the rules is when your boy makes it out, you he gets a pass. He doesn't have to do everything else that everybody else in the hood does. So if you see and um, so many times you'll hear an athlete and they'll say like. I grew up in a gang neighborhood, but people knew I had a chance to make it out. So no one ever forced me. They wouldn't even let me like they made me go to school. You, like somebody in Mello's crew was supposed to be like, no, Mello, like we don't need you for this. Like you go ball, you go make our city proud. You go inspire kids. We can make the stop snitching video. You go hoop with the Denver Nuggets, I believe it was at that time. Like where is his boys that's like, no, Mello, this isn't something you need to be involved in. That's my question. Where were they at, at this point? Yeah, I think his boys, depending on who they were, was probably like, yo, 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 you should do this, man. You should do this. Like, rep the hood, rep the hood. He, they probably gassed him up so much. He was like, yeah, I think this would be a good idea. Now, this, this, <laughs> this is a reason why I don't think NBA players should have summers off. <laughs> this is this is reason number one why they should not have summers off. You know, this was one of those summers on in the hood on the porch. Like, hey man, I got an idea. Yo, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. It and sounded they, good at the time. <laughs> they started over the summer while he's you know hanging out in B more. They need to do something over the summer so you you don't get Draymond greened and do something crazy. Like, I don't know what else they need to do, but these decisions, these stupid decisions happen over the summer. Got to find a way to eliminate that or just be gym rats like most of these guys should be and actually find some basketball to play over the summer. But um, obviously, some people aren't that committed and dedicated. Not that Melo isn't, but I thought that, that was funny. So snitches get stitches. We appreciate you, Melo, for uh, for for giving us this shout out. I'm sorry we missed that, man. If you're listening, I'm sorry I called you out for that, but uh, we, we appreciate you, man. Appreciate you, what you've become. All right. So this segment is called What We're Reading, What We're Listening To, where we give our re- listeners some resources on what we've been reading lately and what we've been listening to. And I'll start with the homie Jay Hart. What you got, buddy? Well, I don't think it needs to be said what I've been listening to. Um, Derek Minor Reflection. But I also pre-ordered that show Baraka joint, the narrative, and been listening to the three tracks I got off of that. Um, so those are the two things that I'm really, really bumping right now. As far as what I'm reading, I'm about to give those folks that listen, that have children, a good book that they need to go get. It's fun to read with your kids. We just read it. Skippy John Jones and the Big Bones. Y'all need to go check it out. Very entertaining. It's a story about a Siamese cat who pretends he's a chihuahua who's like a sword fighter and he steals bones from the neighbor's dog. It's entertaining. My kids love it. 
He was my 12-year-old. He tried to play cool. Oh, that ain't, that ain't cool, Dad. Yeah, it is. You know you enjoyed making the voices, too. So go check it out. That's what I. That's my shout-out for the reading for this week. Yo, so for me, um, obviously, I'm trying to get that uh, Derek Minor. But the first thing that I actually had to cop was something that my wife uh, put me on to. And it was actually the CD money this week actually went to the Blair Lynn project because she released an album full of her music and spoken word poetry. And I've always been a fan of the PC4M Passion for Christ movement. And it was my wife's birthday today. So I tried to make sure that um, the money we had, Derek, I'll get to you as soon as I can, homie. But uh, the, the money in the budget went to Blair Lynn. So that's actually what I'm listening to right now. And um, as far as reading, Doug Logan's On the Block, which just came out. And I just got mine in the mail. So I'm super excited about digging deep into that. You you obviously know it's October when C-Last says that in my mind, I hear Blair Witch Project. I'm like, why did they drop 10 bucks on the Blair Witch Project? That's weird. But Blair Lynn, <laughs> yes, got it. But I've been, and this is a actually a Jay Hart suggestion, I believe. I've been listening to this audio book, Boys Among Men, Jonathan Abrams. Um, so shout out to Jay Hart for sending me a couple of excerpts from the book, man. Get wet my appetite for it. It's a good read, Ben. Good to hear about Moses Malone. I didn't even know that or I forgot that Kevin Garnett got charged with second degree lynching in South Carolina. Crazy. Um, but um, it's good to read those accounts and just to see how much a lot of these guys really weren't ready. The fact that KG got roughed up his first year by dudes that you didn't know would be guys who could rough him up just shows you that, man, a, those guys have a long way. It's a big learning curve um, to get into the league. So shout out to Jay Hart for giving me that suggestion, man. And Moses for, from VA might be the best to ever do it from here. Moses, yeah, man. Moses got that check, too. Got that early check. So that, um, that might have been one of the greatest stories in that book was yeah. the story about Moses. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And it was early on. It was really cool. Uh, what I'm listening to, um, I got a couple of different things I've been listening to, but I don't know, man. I'm back on that Trip Lee album. Um, I like Trip, man. Trip is is the T.I. of Christian rap. And uh, it's just I've just been listening to his latest album, man, uh, Rise, and hanging out with him over the weekend while I was going to play some ball and getting my 52-0 and record up there like that. You know what I'm saying? That's how I roll. Jay Rich, rec league legend. You better know that. <laughs> Closing shout outs, man. What we got? Obviously mine's my wife, Emily Lassiter. Today's her birthday. I won't tell y'all which one, but happy birthday. Yeah, I got to give a shout out to my son. Yesterday he went and played with some JV guys from the local high school. Looked like he belonged. Nobody knew he was a seventh grader, scored 10 points. Played pretty well, so I got to give a shout out to him. Closing shout out, man. Shout out to the two homies here on the podcast. I don't know if I can even do that, man, but we like we've been doing this for 23 episodes, dudes. Like, I'm really, I don't know, I don't know, humbled by the fact that we just keep 
coming back week to week and you guys keep putting up with me, man. So that's my shout out, man. Committing it to you guys for your commitment and devotion to what we're doing, man. The gospel work we're doing. So thanks, man. Hey, I'm a little concerned though, Jay Rich, because I feel like you're low key turning me into a Spurs fan. <laughs> I don't even think it's low key. Yo, y'all, hey, you know about that Kool Aid that Jones was giving them folks? <laughs> <laughs> you heard about that? Next thing yeah, I know, yeah. you're going to be wearing Nike shoes, white Nikes, man, bowling Nikes with me. Hey, I wondered why my wife said this package came for you from Aurora, Illinois. So I was like, I don't know. Let me try it out. So, yes, sir. Man, yes, sir. Let me find out you about to get cornrows and drive a 1997 Jeep, J Hart. Wow. Oh, slow down. <laughs> slow down there, buddy. Slow down. <laughs> Temp fade for me. Temp fade. <laughs> That's been episode 23 of the Boxing One podcast. As you can see, we have a lot of fun on, on the show. Thank you for joining us. We just ask that you would go over to iTunes, subscribe if you haven't already, and leave us a rating. Leave us a review on the podcast. Also, if you're not following us on Twitter, go over to Twitter at Boxing One Podcast. We'd appreciate it. And we look forward to seeing you all next week for episode number 24, where we'll be talking about some Halloween stuff for sure. Peace out.